An excerpt from the first chapter of Bedretin Shimshek's novel, The Killer Ghost, entitled A Miracle of Birth. An acquaintance of mine, a faculty member at the Institute of Social Sciences, had a wide circle at the university. These people, all open-minded, were leading figures in the world of science. Among them were physicists, philosophers, doctors. Since they always had to appear rational in public, they were able to give credence to the craziest ideas among themselves. Cases that science considered nonsense aroused great interest to the extent that they remained secret. We often got together and talked about the supernatural. One day, one of our group came with a book called Love Poison by an unknown author. This book, which was no longer on sale, he had found in a bookstore under a mountain of dust-covered books. In the first story of the book, titled The Miracle Device, it was mentioned that death appears as a photon of light just before we take our last breath, then enters our body to take our life. This claim, which no one would take seriously, caught the attention of some of us. However, physicists did not find this thesis worthy of attention. This discovery, which, if confirmed, would have been the greatest of our century, was left to be lost in an unknown author's scattered book. My academic friend then pointed out to me the reluctance of scientists to put forward ideas in a field where religion had a say. Death was a subject monopolized by religion. A PhD in philosophy was in the room at the time. The philosopher, with wild eyes and unkempt hair, expressed his opinion as follows. According to the soul, having a body is a disease. The soul sees the possession of a body as a malfunction. We know this from the mishaps that happen to us, from the fact that there is always something wrong around us. So when we die, we get rid of a disease. Months passed. But the unknown author's thesis continued to haunt me. One day, when I went to visit my academic friend, I found him arguing with a group of faculty members. The subject of the dispute was a master's thesis submitted by a student for the approval by the rectorate. In the room were the director of the institute, the thesis advisor, an associate professor, and an assistant. The student had passed the defense exam, but there was no consensus among the jury as to whether he had been successful. The thesis, compiled from reincarnation cases, was titled Memorates. The director of the Institute of Social Sciences considered the work unscientific, even though these experiences had actually occurred. The student's advisor argued that the fact that the thesis was based on the book Reincarnation and Biology by Ian Stevenson, an American professor of psychiatry, refuted this claim. Because the thesis presented biological evidence for reincarnation. These were people who had been murdered in some way and then reborn. Not only did they remember their past lives, but also they were reborn with the same marks that they had died with. Indeed, Stevenson's 1993 article, Birthmarks and Birth Defects Corresponding to Wounds on Deceased Persons in the Journal of Scientific Exploration, was included in the thesis. The Turkish boy in this article claimed that the birthmark on his right face was the result of a point-blank gunshot wound in a previous life. The bullet pierced the right side of his skull, damaging the brain, and he died in the hospital after struggling for life for six days. Stevenson had obtained a copy of the hospital records, which showed that the birth and death marks of the case matched. What was surprising being that the entry and exit marks of the bullet in the head were in the same place in both the deceased and the born. The thesis raised the following questions. Was the entity that came to life in two separate bodies and appeared to have been shot with the same gun, one person or two separate persons? 
or was it all an illusion? Did the event, which seems to have happened at different times according to the calendar in our minds, happen at the same time in an eternity where time does not exist at all? Did the one person appear as two separate persons, like an electron in two different places at the same time? Could our vision be deceiving us? Stevenson's 2005 article Some Bodily Malformations Attributed to Previous Lives was widely cited in the thesis. According to this article, A.D. was born in a district of Hatay and began speaking at the age of two. In his previous life, he was a laborer named Sally Jeriskin, who died when he was trapped under a collapsed building during construction. However, before the pile of concrete that caused his death, a piece of debris fell on him and severed A.D.'s left hand. A.D. was therefore born without his left hand and with blood still flowing from the wound. The fact that the thesis presented cases with such concrete evidence was not a problem, of course. After all, reincarnation has given us many examples of gunshot victims being born with a bullet mark. But there has never been a case where someone who was shot in the leg was born with a bullet in his leg. It was case number 14 in the thesis that sparked the panel's debate. Allegedly, when a man who was shot dead with a gun while smuggling is reincarnated bringing the bullet lodged in his leg from his previous life with him. In fact, when the baby is born, the wound in his leg is bleeding and the bullet is still there. For some unknown reason the bullet cannot be removed, and later the child remembers his past life and tells at length how he was killed. The director of the institute insisted that this case, which offered no evidence, be excluded from the thesis. The advisor was in favor of a detailed investigation. When the student was called in and asked if he could corroborate the allegation in case number 14 with hospital or judicial records, he replied that he had not spoken to the person in question and that he had been told about the incident by the reincarnated case number 13. By a strange coincidence, he too had died of a gunshot wound to the head. Even today, the marks left by the bullet that entered through his left temple and exited through the back of his head are clearly visible. The entry point of the bullet resembled the hole where a finger would have entered at the moment of birth. He said he often dreamed of and recognized people from his previous life, such as his wife and children, but could not remember their names. He longed for them but did not know where they were. He used to wake up crying at night. He met Case 14 when they worked in the same assembly plant in Arabia. In the desolation of the desert, far from the city, they had much to tell each other at night. They remembered not only their past lives, but also the moment of their deaths and even beyond. The veil of mystery over death was lifted for them, but the mystery of life remained unilluminated. They did not know why they were born again. Who had pushed them back into the world? Number 13 became more religious in his new life, while number 14 became a skeptic. But here too there was a contradiction. Case number 13 was a sinner who had committed crimes in his previous life. Number 14 had been a smuggler in his previous life, but he was religious. So death had brought one man out of religion and the other back into it. Number 13 believed in the existence of the soul. Number 14 claimed that there was no soul, even though he had died and risen from the dead. If there was a soul, this bullet would not be here, said Case 14, pointing to the location of the bullet in his leg from a previous life. Although the student who presented the thesis had tried many times to interview Case 14, he could not reach him. At the time, 
he was working in a company run by his brothers and his family did not allow him to see anyone. Could this be due to his skeptical attitude toward religion? Because his brothers were very conservative and found the claim of reincarnation absurd. They accused their brother of being mentally ill because he claimed to be reincarnated despite having a bullet or a gunshot wound from a previous life. It was as if they had built a wall around him. The family was horrified by his words denying the existence of the soul and God. They thought this was the worst thing that could happen to them. When the PhD student asked to interview the case, the brothers dismissed him, saying that all these claims were made up. The student made several more attempts, but was insulted. Why did the family hide the case if the claim of reincarnation was a lie? Why did they not let anyone interview him? If the bullet incident was a fabrication, they could have let the person explain it and then dismissed the interviewers. The topic was very intriguing. After much discussion, the panel decided to seek the opinion of an obstetrician. The dissertation file was brought to the attention of a professor at a university hospital. I was told that I, as a curious person, could be present when the expert gave his opinion.